Welcome to the Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for tuning in to the Sword and the Trowel today. Um, hey, we've got a conference coming up in December. We do, December 5th through 7th on the law and the gospel right here in Cape Coral, Florida. Right here in Cape Coral, Florida. This is our Southeast Founders Regional Conference, and we would love for you to come and join us December 5th through the 7th. Dr. Tom Nettles of Southern Seminary is going to be preaching. You're preaching. I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have other things going on, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe like a... Premiere of a documentary. Premiere of a of a film. By what standard? We're very excited about that. Uh, putting all the final pieces together now. Yeah. If you come to join us December fifth through the seventh, then you're going to get to be the first one to watch the film. And you know, this Southwest Florida is a great place to be in the winter. The weather here is incredible. Mm. It's not always incredible. However, it's very nice in December, though. <laughs> December is wonderful. But uh, right now, as we are recording this, we have a uh, Category 5-4 hurricane mm-hmm. that is out there in the Atlantic that keeps mocking Florida, threatening yep. to come ashore. Yeah. And so we thought, we well, we talk a little bit about natural disasters. Yeah. Why do those things happen? Yeah. Well, it's a fallen world. That certainly uh, comes to mind when we think about hurricanes. Um and, you know, different regions have their different challenges. On kind of a personal note for us, hurricanes are certainly the thing in southwest Florida, right here on the coast. And whatever's going to happen with this Dorian storm, it, was it two years ago, um, Irma came through. Right. Irma hit as a Category 4. Right. I think it was a 4. Was I think that's right. I don't know. I remember looking then. at the radar. It was like the size of the state. I mean, yeah, it was covered. Big. It's covered. And they create, um, they create interesting dynamics because you can see them so far away so so you got this cone it's like a week away yeah and everyone is watching it you know right. everyone's updating their weather app to see if the storm's going to come and it, the cone's constantly moving and all of a sudden gas starts to go <laughs> and plywood goes off the shelves water is not available water is not available stores, especially yeah. as it's as it's getting closer and closer. Yeah, so. you know, and, and that storm you mentioned a couple of years ago, Harvey hit Texas uh, just a couple of weeks prior to that, and then Irma mm-hmm. came here in Florida. I got family in Texas. I have several family members whose homes were flooded, houses that they couldn't get back into for months and months. Um, some of my relatives had to wade out in, in uh, chest-deep yeah. water to boat that rescued them. And so these are, these are serious matters in yep. life and death, and people do lose their lives. Yeah. In this, so yeah. how are we to think about these kinds of tragedies, these kinds of natural disasters as Christians? Yeah. Well, I think there's a number of things that come to mind. First of all, we are Christians, and God speaks through creation. And so, Romans one: Man is without excuse, because what can be known about God is made plain to them in the things that have been made. We believe that there is a God, there is a Creator, and certainly His. Uh, his great power is displayed. It's not the only thing that's displayed in a storm. There's this whole mm-hmm. fall principle. But um, start with that. I mean, think about a hurricane, how powerful that storm is, mm-hmm. how small we feel when you see that storm coming. Or yeah. um, tornadoes, I mean, how vicious is the high velocity of the storm. And even the way it um, you know, it mirrors a hurricane and yet has different... Uh, a different feel to it. So this is something that's quick. This is something that's hit or miss where a hurricane just comes in, just drives 
um, whatever is in its way out of its way. Yeah. Earthquakes, the very foundation upon which we stand, um, begins to shake, tremble right before, right beneath our feet. Uh, we have these, um, the power of God, the wonder of God, even that's why it's a, there's a darkness to it. There's a, um, there's a suffering to all of these things. It sure does signal that the creator is extremely powerful. Yeah, that's the fundamental truth, isn't it? Uh, this is God's world. God rules over the storms. Uh, he is the one who uh, speaks in creation. And sometimes in these storms, we need to stop and consider, you know, what is God saying to us? So first and fundamentally, we need to realize God is sovereign over this. These things are not accidents. These things didn't hap- happen uh, when he was asleep at the wheel or somehow removed his hands from creation but in mysterious ways that are beyond our capacity fully to comprehend in his providence, Mm. he has ordained these storms and they are designed for the welfare of his people, for the glory of his name. A a passage that I go to often is is Luke chapter 13, verses one through five. People come to Jesus and the, the question they ask him is not about natural disaster, but it's about moral disaster. How Pilate has mixed the blood of some Galileans with sacrifices. And it's just, you know, he executed these folks and they asked Jesus, what, what do you make of this? What are we to think about this? And Jesus answers them, but he goes on and addresses them in terms of natural disaster too. What about the, the uh, folks on whom the tower of Siloam fell? And they were destroyed probably by a tempest or a tornado or something. And the, the point he makes here, he doesn't answer the question of, oh, this is what this means. This is what God's doing. He says, unless you likewise repent, or unless you also repent, you will likewise perish. So we've got to repent. What is God saying to us in storms? Maybe a hundred things, but one thing we can be sure of from Luke 13 mm-hmm. is this is a call to repentance. Because all of these disasters, they're like shots across the bow from God. If a person is still in sin and unreconciled to this God who's sovereign over storms, mm-hmm. what happens in hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes is uh, just a, uh, a simple little display of the wrath of God that is to be revealed on the day of judgment. So the call is repent, turn away from your sin, trust Jesus Christ, be reconciled to this God who rules over creation. Yeah. Yeah, especially with hurricanes, there's there's two truths that seem to um, jump off the page when they come for me, and they're interesting because they're kind of um, you would think that they couldn't both be true at the same time, but uh, the first is the the great progress that man has made in the world, the great ability mm. that man has. You know, um, and just the blessing that we have in in America. These storms come. And while we say, we just said, you know, water goes off the shelves and gas goes off the shelves. But what also happens? More water starts showing up. <laughs> yeah, right. More gas starts showing up. I mean, you know, we didn't do anything. We didn't call anybody. And yet we had systems in place and the kind of organization that all of a sudden, before the storm, I mean, the, 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 the hurricane's still three days away. And they're just bringing in loads and loads of, um, of water. And then, and then uh, generators. You know, you got people mm-hmm. running their whole homes. you got... Storms coming, generators right there. They got water, they've got lights, they've got air conditioning in, in Florida. And so boarding up windows and this this great strength of man that is so evident. I think it's part of the image of God and it's a part of the um, the strength of man. At the same time, you're going, but 
the storm's coming. There's nothing we can do about right. it. You have this total um, inability of man to stop that storm from coming. That storm, the wind blows where it wills. I mean, that storm is going to go any way it goes. There's no way to to deflect this hurricane. We're not, we don't have that ability. Um, Unless if, we have atomic bombs. Yeah, I mean, if, if I, yeah, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get there. I mean, what a day it will be when we can actually push the hurricanes away. Um, but, but right now you have this sense of I'm, I'm going to get inside if I'm not leaving yeah. and I'm going to hold on tight yeah. you know, or I'm just going to get out of the state altogether. Mm-hmm. And uh, just both of those strike me. Yeah. Man, so, so um, yes, man created in the, in the image of God. Uh, what a, what a, what a great creature man is. And at the same time, um, boy, we are not God. We are right. finite creatures, and you just got to come to deal with the Almighty. Yeah, like I remember, uh, due to some unusual circumstances, I wound up alone in my home with a house that was unprotected, no boards, no uh, shutters on it, for Hurricane Charlie mm-hmm. about 15 years ago. And man, as that thing came directly over us, uh, it was harrowing, but I found myself worshiping. God. I mean, my family didn't, we couldn't be in touch with each other. They were out safe in the inner inner part of the state, but it was, it was God. I mean, there was no doubt I was in the hands of God. He could do with me whatever he wanted to do. And that's true of every moment of every day of our lives. Right. It's just whenever you are confronted with something that is so far beyond your control or anybody else's control, then you are face to face with the reality that there is a God and that we have to deal with him. And Jesus says, turn from your sin, trust Christ so that you might be reconciled to this God. As we're recording this now, um, that storm, Dorian, has been over the Bahamas for a long time. Yeah, it's devastating. um, So pray for those who are in the Bahamas. Pray for those who are um, still to face this hurricane. Hopefully it goes out and there's no more damage done. Um, Certainly, we live in a fallen world, a place... um, uh, from which we need redemption, we need redemption from our sin, and that is uh, given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we come back, we're going to talk about a book that Founders Ministries publishes, Soldiers of Christ, by Michael Haken, professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. It's not even new to Southern Baptist because Satan does this. He is constantly telling you you should be guilty when you're forgiven. He is constantly asking you to live with regrets when the Father has taken all the sins of the world. Welcome back to this second segment of The Sword and the Trial. And in this segment, we want to introduce you to a book that Founders Ministries published 10 years ago called Soldiers of Christ, Selections from the Writings of Basil Manley Sr. and Basil Manley Jr. It's edited by Michael Haken, Roger Duke, and James Fuller. And you had Michael Haken for one of your professors, didn't you, at Southern Seminary? I did. I had the opportunity of studying under Dr. Haken uh, for a number of years there, and he was a great blessing. Boy, yeah. I remember one of the, he, this is the kind of book that um, he, he writes the, what is it, the preface or the forward to it. But yeah. this is this is his flavor. He, he loves going to his, I mean, his historical theologian. So he's going to be looking at primary source documents. I had him for um, patristics and I had him for uh, Puritan theology, I had him for English Baptists. And so he would just sit there and just exegete, you know, mm. exegeting the church fathers. And mm-hmm. so this is a fitting book because he, uh, certainly um, 
has spent a lot of time thinking about Basil Manley Sr. and Basil Manley Jr. Yeah, Al Moeller, who's the president of, of Southern Seminary, writes the forward to it. It's commended by lots of folks like David Dockery, Greg Wills, Nathan Finn, uh, Timothy George, and it's largely comprised of just excerpts of the writings mm-hmm. of the Manleys, the, the father and son. They were both very instrumental in the founding of Southern Seminary. The, the son was one of the first uh, originating faculty members. Uh, the father, right before his death, preached in chapel, and he was v- a very big promoter of theological education in Southern Baptist life. You, let me just read you some of the chapter titles here. Uh, one is on promoting revival, uh, one on sacred music. There are essays in here on divine inspiration. You know, Basil Manley Jr. wrote The Bible Doctrine of Inspiration, which was a book that was rediscovered uh, through research largely by Tom Nettles and um, jo- um, Russ Bush, who wrote Baptists in the Bible during the early days of the inerrancy controversy, shows Southern Baptists have always had this high view of Scripture. So you get background, a little bit of information on how things were progressing with the formation of the seminary, during the seminary, and then you also get some of their social commentary on what was happening during those tumultuous days in this nation's history. Yeah. So the essays don't, there are essays included in here on slavery and slave owning and treatment of slaves, and, and there's no varnish to this. Uh, mm-hmm. They tell the truth of the good and the bad in that dark era and the, the changing of views even of Basil Manley Sr. about slavery and the fact that uh, he had uh, owned slaves and left slaves to his children, and you read about the fraternal relationship they had and some of the the horrible things that happened, as well as the commendation of how we should look at those who are different ethnicity than we are. Right, yeah, especially in the kind of the tumultuous times in which we're presently living. Um, This would be a great book just to get as a studying the history. You might not agree with everything that's said in this book or all the perspectives, but it can be helpful to say, okay, what was really going on in the early years of Southern Baptist life and what's going on here in uh, Basil Manley uh, Sr. and Jr.'s life. Basil Manley Jr. um, wrote an article in a magazine, I believe it is, called Our Our Brother in Black. And um, he has this, I found this paragraph fascinating. He's talking about um, black men and women, black Christians. And uh, this was this was maybe a decade or two uh, after uh, emancipation. Mm-hmm. But this is what he says. Um, he is not a babe to be fondled and petted. He is not a brute to be trampled and despised. He is not a fiend or a savage to be shunned and dreaded, nor an angel to be admired and flattered. He is simply a man with the capabilities and duties of any other man, so far as he is competent to discharge them, liable to the same temptations and frailties, heir of the same immortality, and redeemed by the same precious blood. You know, he goes on to talk about how hard it is to know um, what, uh, how to do what is, what is just right in the midst of this, but talks about uh, fairness in here and the need to have a, uh, a fair playing field as mm-hmm. you think about 
how they would walk out those days. So it's going to be a fascinating book. It's a great, great read and good historical material here. Uh, Most of it's just primary sources. I got to give you the last chapter of the book. It's called Contemporary Worship Reproved. Mm. And it's by Basil Manley Jr. I'm just going to read the first paragraph. If you think the worship wars are new. uh, 19th century worship wars. Here we go. For some years, it has been apparent that the rage for novelties in singing, especially in our Sunday schools, has been driving out the use of old, precious standard hymns. They are not memorized as of old. They are scarcely sung at all. They are not even contained in the undenominational songbooks in which in many churches have usurped the place of our old hymn books. Mm. So there it is. It's a great book, great resource to have on your shelf. We encourage you to get a copy of it. Yeah, Soldiers of Christ, you know, the title comes from the hymn that is now the, what is it, the hymn of Southern Seminary. Seminary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so having gone there, boy, I still, when we sing that song, Soldiers of Christ in Truth Arrayed, A World in Ruin Needs Your Aid. My heart just swells every time I think about that song. Yeah. So um, you have to check that check out that hymn if you have not. Soldiers of Christ and purchase his book founders dot org. Uh, we're actually going to be selling it uh, when this podcast drops at a very deep discount. So go on there; you'll be able to take advantage of that sale. When we come back, we're going to be talking about God's word commands we find therein. Colossians chapter three verse fifteen: Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Founders Ministries held its first conference in 1983. Since that time, we've expanded the ministry to produce books and journals and have regional conferences and fraternals to have a study center. Uh, We've done multiple things here in the United States and around the world to seek the recovery of the gospel of God's grace and the reformation of local churches. Our desire has always been to facilitate healthy church living. We want to resource pastors and church leaders. We couldn't have done that without financial supporters through the years. We've never made a big deal about financial support. We've never made great appeals for financial support, but we do need financial resources to do the things that we are doing. We are grateful for those who stood with us, and we would be delighted to have you come and join us in this ongoing fight to see the gospel of Jesus Christ maintain its pride of place in Christian thinking and in our Christian churches. Uh, We've established this new way of giving called the Founders Alliance Membership. I invite you to become a part of the FAM with us. There are different levels at which you can give to become a monthly supporter, or if you just like to make a one-time gift, we would welcome that as well. Uh, There's a big fight in front of us. We have a great concern that is arising among our churches and within the Southern Baptist Convention and beyond. And we would be delighted to have you stand with us, to unite with us, to join arms with us in this fight. Uh, Thanks for your support. Pray for us. If the Lord enables you to invest financially in this ministry, we would welcome that. Welcome back to the Sword and the Trowel. In this segment, we want to talk to you about one of the commands in Scripture. And today we're looking at a command taken from Colossians chapter 2, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So that first one, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So there is peace that is found in Christ, and yet it is something that we are obligated to engage in such a way that it rules us. Mm -hmm. So what's Paul talking about here? How do we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? Have you thought about that? Uh, Well, first, I'm interested to think about the the thing itself. What, What is the experience of having the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? And then maybe how do we do it? But the peace of Christ, well, without... 
without Christ, there's no peace. Yeah. Without Christ, there is hostility. There is the wrath of God, uh, vertical hostility. There's horizontal hostility between uh, one man and another. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has made peace. Where's the hostility come from? It's got, it comes from sin. Um, why are things the way that they are? Why is there such uh, tumultuous times in the world? Well, because of sin. Jesus is the one who takes sin away. And when he takes sin away, we experience peace, genuine well-being. And I think that has implications. Probably it's not not just um, not just inner, though primarily mm-hmm. inner. It's going to have this sense of um, even if my life is very challenging, I can have this kind of inner sense of peace. I think a mental peace, emotional peace, but I think it also has like physical implications. You know, it's not just this thing where you can't you can't be running around losing your mind and be like, well, no, I'm really peaceful inside. It's going to have mm-hmm. some kind of manifestation, a very sense uh, sense of well-being that all that all really is well because of what Christ has done on the cross. Yeah, and it is grounded in objective reality and accomplishment because Christ has made peace between us and God. He, he said this uh, the night before he was betrayed uh, in John 16, that in this world you're going to have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. I came to give you peace. And so the peace that we have is peace that Jesus has accomplished. I mean, you think about it. If we believe what the Bible says is true of us by nature in sin, if true of every sinner before God is under his wrath, under his judgment, liable to eternal damnation because of our sin. Well, that robs of peace. There is no peace between a sinner and God by nature. When Jesus comes and takes the place of sinners and absorbs God's wrath Mm -hmm. against our sin, and by faith we receive him so that he becomes our Lord, Savior, he becomes our peace, the objective reality is God is for us. Mm -hmm. He's our Father. And it's that objective reality that then grounds my subjective feelings. I don't have to look at God with dread anymore. I don't have to fear my sin against God anymore. I know that every last one of my sins is forgiven to the degree that I can get that objective reality operating in my thinking, in my affections. Mm-hmm. I'm going to experience inner peace. Yeah. Um, I can make a confession. One, one of the, the, the time in which I don't have this peace is very often when I'm trying to be Jesus mm. rather than be like Jesus. So let's, let's let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So you know, as a pastor of a church and father of children, and just a man trying to get along in the world, you go, boy, you know, am I, if I'm trying to be in control of all of this, if I'm really trying to say whether I live or die is up to <laughs> me, <Yeah. laughs> you know, um, and you get all stressed out. You're like, I'm losing my mind, you know. Well, that's not the way that we're to work. We're to work hard and serve hard and do all that stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God. But realize it's Jesus that's going to bring the kingdom. It's Jesus that's going to raise the children. It's Jesus that's going to protect his church. And I'm doing these things in dependence upon him. I'm not the fourth member of the Trinity, as one of our sweet ladies here in this church (laughs) always has a a way of reminding us. He says says that all the time. I'm not the fourth member of the Trinity. There's something about that with peace. It's the peace of Christ. It's, It's knowing that Jesus is the one who's crucified and risen, and Jesus is the one who's presently interceding, and Jesus is the one who's going to accomplish all of his purposes. Jesus is going to complete the work begun. Jesus is going to return. Mm-hmm. And there comes, okay, 
you know, not the kind of peace that's going to like have me throw up my hands and not do any of my responsibilities. It's not irresponsible, but real peace that says, ah, okay, now I can press on here Mm. in faith. And that also then informs and shapes our relationships with others. Certainly other Christians, you know, we, we ought to recognize that there, the dividing wall has been broken down. So no matter how many things there might be, that would keep mm. us at odds with one another uh, naturally, what, what our affinities might be that are completely different from one another. In Christ, we have been united as one. So we have peace with all believers. But then we are to live at peace as far as it's possible with us, it's possible to us with all people, Hebrews 12, 14 says. So how can we do that? Well, I belong to God. Mm. And if I know God is my loving Heavenly Father, the sovereign over the world who gave up his son for me, and something difficult comes in a relationship with other people or people are trying to do me in or whatever, I can be sure of this, that they cannot do one thing. They can't take one step Mm -hmm. that has not been filtered through the loving hands of my Heavenly Father who gave his son for me. And so that helps me to live at peace with others, even when I'm having to disagree with them, or perhaps uh, there is enmity on different levels. Right. It's interesting that he says, um, let this peace rule in yeah. your hearts. Like, um, imagine somebody all stressed out, you know, it's like, I don't feel very peaceful. You know, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So I don't feel very That's peaceful. That's the challenge. And, um, but, it, but there is a sense in which it needs to rule you. So it's like, you know, when I'm, when I'm not peaceful, it's I'm all... Yeah. You're all crazy. It's like you're sitting on the throne of your heart. It's like, well, you need to be you need to be conquered by the peace of Jesus. You need to take a deep breath, realize you're not him. So I'm trying to think of how you get to this. Well, certainly we're going to say go to the Word and pray. But even in the sense, let it, let it, mm-hmm. let the peace of Christ rule, kind of in mm-hmm. the passive there. So it means I need to remember who Jesus is. I need to remember what Jesus has accomplished for me. I need to remember my own frailty. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, those are some practical applications as you're seeking to let the peace of Christ rule in your yeah, heart. Yeah, th- this is the value of something like the Apostles' Creed. You know, just learn it, say it, memorize it, bring it back to your mind mm. that uh, you believe in all of these realities about God, about yourself, about right. Christ, and let that truth have its impact upon your thinking and your affections. And that's an ongoing, lifelong exercise. Hey, thanks for listening to The Sword on the Trial. Two things before we go. First of all, guess what's in? Fresh (laughs) off the press, The Mystery of Christ, His Covenant, and His Kingdom by Sam Renahan. I've been so excited about this book. Yeah, I can't believe it it in my hand. We're going to be doing a podcast with Sam very soon, so keep an eye out for that. This book is going to be sold at founders.org through the month of September at a very deep discount. Deep discount. $12 for the month of September. Right. So get it now. We've already heard orders have been coming in like crazy. People are dying for this book on covenant theology, getting really to the 17th century English Baptist position on covenant theology. Here's the straight up, the system itself. Sam Renahan uh, exposes that in this book. Also, uh, join the fam. If you're not a Founders Alliance member, check out founders.org. Consider what it means to do so. We're so thankful to those who support us regularly, and we're always getting new content up uh, on the Armory. You're doing the pastoral epistles right now. There's more uh, good stuff coming. Thanks again for listening to The Sword of the Traffic.